0: Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at GlobalPropheticCenter.com.
1: I want to talk to you today about King Solomon, the wisest hater in history, the wisest hater. And what I'm going to show you today, um, you've, never, you've never heard before. Trust me when I tell you. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit today about envy and jealousy. All right? But the story that I'm going to, the narrative that I'm going to be teaching from it from, you've never heard before. And And I say that all the time. People go, how can you say that? Trust me. When we get to the story, you're going to be like, I never saw it like that before. Amen. So get ready for some apostolic revelation. Okay. Envy and jealousy are not the same thing. In Spanish, the same words kind of are interchangeable, but they don't mean the same thing, all right? So jealousy is what the Bible would call covetousness or to covet. It's actually part of one of the 10 commandments. Actually, the last two commandments, the last two commandments of the 10 commandments are actually dealing with envy and jealousy. All right, because it tells you not to covet twice. It says, don't covet your neighbor's wife. That's jealousy. And then it says, don't covet your neighbor's things. That's envy. All right, so man, that's mind blown right there. All right, now what is jealousy? Jealousy is the word to covet. It means to desire what someone else has. To burn with desire uh, what someone else has. Or rather, it's it's connected to the word burning or passion, passion. That's why in Spanish, the word zealous and the word jealous are actually the same word. Eh, Celoso, celoso. Zealous, jealous. Zealous and jealous means to burn with passion. All right. But to go a step further, it means to passionately desire what someone else has. Envy is not the same. Envy is passionately desiring what someone has, and because I can't have it, I make sure you don't have it. So that goes a step further. So many people could be jealous, but not envious, which means they desire what you have, and that's where it stays. Envy goes a step further. If I can't have it, you can't have it so they go out of their way to make sure you don't have it. We call that in modern day language, hater, all right? Now, unlike uh, popular demand, I hate hater theology. I never preach on topics like this because I just think the body of Christ is way beyond that. And as usual, uh, New New Yorkers, we think a little bit different. We really don't care what people think about us. So we don't go through a lot of this hater stuff. At least if you're a real New Yorker from my generation, we really don't care too much. You know, so we don't deal with a lot of envy, but we do. We do have a lot of jealousy. All right. So, okay. So watch this. Where does, where does jealousy or envy begin? Turn with me to Mark chapter seven, Mark chapter seven, verse 21. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the word. Mark chapter seven. Where does envy originate? Watch this. Envy originates in a blessing. Let me say that again. Envy, see, already you ain't never heard of that. Envy originates with a blessing. What do I mean by that is? You wouldn't be envious unless somebody got blessed. Did you catch that revelation? Amen, and amen, and amen. Watch this, watch this. Where does it originate from? Where does it originate from? Verse 21 says, look at this. uh, For from within, out of the person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these vile things come from within. Or from a person's heart. They are what defile you. So envy already has been categorized as vile. Where does it originate? Deep within the heart. It, so it comes from within the heart. Envy originates where? It originates inside here. All right. Now it comes out of here because it is initiated by a blessing. God blesses someone and you get envious, especially if both of you were on the same level and then God elevates you and then God astronomically elevates you. And people are way down here and they see what God is doing in your ministry and they still refuse. Let me keep going. Galatians chapter five. Turn with me to Galatians chapter five. Amen. Galatians chapter five. Please excuse if I'm not fleshing some of this revelation out. We have a lot of Bible verses to go over. Galatians chapter five. Okay, so the second thing you need to understand, um, um, Galatians chapter five, look at this, verse verse 19. Look what it says. For when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful desires, Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. Notice how jealousy was already mentioned and now we're talking about envy. They're not the same thing. Look at this. Drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have have before, that anyone living in this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The King James Version says, the works of the flesh are these." So, envy not only proceeds out of the heart, but envy is a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. Write it in the chat room. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter four. Ecclesiastes chapter four. Look at this. Ecclesiastes, and we're going to revisit this later because the revelation that I'm going to share with you, you never heard before. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm going to give you a narrative and a story. Watch this. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse four. Look what it says. So you may ask, how is envy carried out in the work of the flesh? Look what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Then I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. Chasing the wind. Look what, look what the look what look what Solomon already said. That watch this, look what it says. It says, most people desire to succeed is because they envy their neighbors. Look what it says. Let me read it to you again. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4. As I share the verses, write it in the chat room. Look what it says. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors which means you have to check at times the motivation of why you want to be successful. Very simple. Make sure that your desire to be successful is not predicated upon the envy of those around you. Did you catch what I just said? Man, that's that's good stuff. That's some good stuff. All right, now watch this. Now watch this. The Bible says that we just read, That envy is not just a work of the flesh, people can live their lives in it, which means envy can be a state of being. Write that in the chat room. Envy can be a state of being. Now watch this. When a person or a Christian is in a place of envy, it corrupts and contaminates their discernment and wisdom. Turn with me to James chapter three. James chapter three. Look what it says. The book of James, the book of James chapter three. Watch this. Look what it says. James chapter three, verse 14 says, look at this. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is Selfish ambition in your hearts. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things, what things? Envy and jealousy are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So watch this. You could be anointed, but envious. And your envy will contaminate your oil. And you will be operating out of fleshly wisdom. And watch this. Demonic wisdom. Notice how it's already getting demonic. Which means a person can operate through demonic wisdom. And let me share this this with you. Demonic wisdom works. Demonic wisdom is better than human wisdom. Now what do I mean by that? Is the wisdom is coming from a demon. And how many of you know demons know what they're doing? So just because a person is deep doesn't necessarily mean... Just because a person is tossing out revelation doesn't necessarily mean we just saw this week a prophet kill his wife. And this prophet was successful on social media. Did you catch that? Where was his wisdom coming from? A demon. As a matter of fact, today I even saw the video where he told the sister's brother that he was going to kill his wife, which was his sister. All right? That's a whole other thing there. Okay, now watch this. So... Envy produces demonic revelation. Watch this. Turn with me to Matthew twenty-seven. Now I'm teaching like an apostle right now, and I'm in pastor mode. So I, I'm not going to be wild. The, the way I'm teaching right now, this is me one hundred percent at my church. I've been telling you this Facebook stuff. This is fake me, meaning the wild confronting. That's confronting. That's not the what you see me now. This is. Pastor, apostle, me getting it in. This is how I am all the time at my church. All right, watch this. Look at this, Matthew 27, Matthew 27, Matthew 27. Look at this. Now watch this. Envy killed Jesus, not sin. Now sin is the reason why he died on the cross. But sin was not the reason why they crucified him. What was the reason that they crucified Jesus? Watch this. Watch this. Verse 17, Matthew 27. Verse 17. Watch this. Look what it says. Verse 17. Look what it says. As the crowds gathered before Pontius Pilate that morning... He asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Messiah? Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, verse 18 says, for Pilate knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Whoa, wait a second. Wait a second. The Bible actually is telling you in verse 18, context 17, 17 and 18. It says, for Pilate very well knew that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. So the reason why Pilate was trying to get Jesus not to get killed, because he knew that the religious leaders were trying to kill Jesus because of envy. Did you catch what I just said? That's what happens when you are anointed, but envy. You become religious, but murderous. Let me say that again. This is what happens to a believer who's anointed and given power, but envious. They become religious and murderous and they find legal technicalities to crucify someone. That they originally never liked. Did you catch the revelation? I still haven't gotten into the revelation you've never heard before. Watch this. Watch this. And this is what began to happen with Solomon. Turn with me to first Kings. First Kings, watch this? First Kings. Look at this. First Kings, chapter 11. Watch this. Solomon was the most anointed. Outside of Jesus, he was the third most important person on the earth that ever existed. You want to know who was the second? John the Baptist. Oh, that's a whole other revelation. No one is more greater than John. Jesus said, so who's after John? No more greater than Solomon. It's Jesus, John, Solomon. You're not ready for that. You're not ready for that. Look at this. Verse 1, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. Look what it says. Now King Solomon loved many foreign wives. Besides, Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Amnon, Edom, Sidon, and from the Hittites, the Lord had, verse 2, clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth. Talking about marketing, talking about acquisition. This man knew, he knew, he knew how to make, he knew how, he knew how to be a, a, a shrewd businessman and 300 concubines. In fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Verse four, in Solomon's old age, look what it says, they turned his heart to worship the other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, as his father David had been. And Solomon worshiped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Moloch, which means Solomon was into abortion. Catch that revelation. You wanna know why he's- you want to know why Solomon embraced abortion and Molech? Because he didn't want any of these 700 wives of pagan nations trying to claim his throne. Y'all not ready for that revelation. Solomon was the biggest abortionist in history. That's a whole nother revelation. Molech is the god of abortion. Because the ritual for the worship of Molech was sacrificing babies. All right, now watch this. Look at this. On on the mouth of Olives, he even built pagan shrines to Chemosh, the god of Moab, and another to Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon built shrines for all of his foreign wives using the burning incense to sacrifice to their gods. Look at verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him once. And he specifically told him, do not do this. All right. And then finally, if you keep reading the story, the Lord told Solomon, I'm going to take your kingdom from you. Jump down. Watch this. Jump down to verse 26 of the same, of the same, of the same uh chapter. Watch this. Look at this. The same chapter. Look at this. Watch this. All right. Look at this. Of the same chapter. Watch this. Here's the revelation you never heard before. Watch this. Another rebel leader was Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, Nebat, one of Solomon's own officials. Man, I got to look up if Nabat was the, wife, the husband of Abigail. I got to look that up. Give me a second. Let me make a notation. Uh, let me put Abigail here. I think this was Abigail's son, but that's a whole other revelation. I'm going to look into that. Now watch this. Look at this. Jeroboam, son of Nabat, one of Solomon's own officials. He came from the town of Zerudah, of Ephraim, and his mother was Zerua, a widow. Okay, so it wasn't. It wasn't Abigail. Okay, but they had the same name for a father. Look at this. Look at verse 27. This is the story behind his rebellion. Solomon was rebuilding the supporting terraces and repairing the wall of the city of his father, David, verse 28, Jeroboam, look at this, Jeroboam was a very capable young man. And when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribe of Ephraim. Look at verse 29. One day as Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem, the prophet Ehijah from Shiloh met him along the way. And Ahijah was wearing a new cloak, two of them. And he took hold of the new cloak and he tore it in 10 pieces into 12 pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 of these pieces. For the Lord, your God says, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and I will give the 10 tribes to you. But I will leave him one tribe, I will leave him one tribe for the sake of my servant, David. Notice how God is already saying that there's missing another tribe. Whole other revelation there. That tribe is missing in the book of Revelation, tribe of Dan. But that's a whole other revelation. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this. Okay, watch this. Look at 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 this. For Solomon has abandoned me to worship uh Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. All right. But I will not take the entire kingdom from Solomon at this time for the sake of my servant David, who I'm who I'm going to chose. I will keep Solomon as a leader for the rest of his life, but I will take away from his son uh, the 10 tribes and give them over to you. Watch this. His son will have one tribe and the descendants of David will have a place for my name. And I will place you upon the throne of Israel and you will rule over the hearts. If you listen to me, look at this. I will establish your uh, kingdom and your dynasty forever. Look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. After God told him all of this stuff, verse 40 says, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam fled to King Shishak of Egypt and stayed there until Solomon died. Wait a second. How do you go from anointing someone to be in charge of something and then go to kill him. Do you see something shifted in Solomon? Something shifted in Solomon. Something between verse 26 to verse 40 shifted Solomon that he went from anointing him to wanting to kill him. Wow, what happened to him? I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter four. Woo! We already read Ecclesiastes chapter four. But look at this. Watch this. Ecclesiastes chapter four was written by Solomon when Solomon was already in a dark place. Now you don't have to agree with me, but I'm telling you, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes when he was already backsliding. That's why he kept saying, meaningless, meaningless, he was already in a dark place. When Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he was already in a dark place. Watch this. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. Look at this. uh, um, look at this Um, look at this Um, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 13 watch this it is better to be poor it is better to be a poor but wise youth than an old and foolish king wait a second wait a second who is he talking about who is the poor young man and who is the old foolish king? The old and foolish king is he's talking about himself. So who is the young but poor young man? Look what it says. It is better to be a poor but wise youth than an old and foolish king who refuses all advice. Such a youth, verse 14, such a youth could rise from poverty and succeed. He might even become king, though he had been in prison. But yet everyone rushes to the side of yet another youth. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who is he talking about in the verse? Who is the poor young man who might become king? And replace the old and foolish one. Right here, he's writing from a place of envy. He has his eye on Jeroboam and he sees the grace of God on his life. He sees the grace of God on Jeroboam. You ain't never heard that revelation, baby. Don't sit here and say, oh, I heard that before. You lying. You lying! This is straight revelation, straight apostolic revelation from the throne of God. Look at this! 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 Look at Look what he said! Look what he said! He's saying there's a young man who's young, poor, but wise and industrious. Wise and industrious. Look at this! 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 And he said, he said. That young man might replace me. So I made a mistake of putting him in charge. So now I gotta kill him. Now I gotta kill him. Now I gotta kill him like Jesus. And now the Pharisees had to kill Jesus out of envy. And now Solomon had to kill Jeroboam out of envy because he saw the grace of God. Baby, you want to know why they're envious of you? Because they see, they see the glory on you. They see the revelation on you and they can't understand how you could be so hood and yet so revelatory. They can't understand how you could be so street and carry revelation they never heard before. They they can't understand how you can be so zealous and so wild And yet the doors open for you They can't understand it So they get gripped They get gripped with envy Not jealousy They get gripped with envy And envy Envy begins to grip them And they don't understand is You got here because you industrious You know how to work let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. No amount of hustle can open doors. The most you could get is marketing. When doors open, God opened those doors for you, baby. Don't give me that stuff about they hustle their way to all them big doors. Man, no, ain't no amount of hustle can open no door. Hustling just markets you. Hustling doesn't open doors. No, it does not. Because I've seen people connect to the right people and still have no doors open. And then I seen the nobodies, the nobodies that God, the nobodies that God raises up out of the backside of the desert, who, who really put in that work behind the scenes, who got integrity. Baby, you ain't got to apologize to nobody because you religious in the sense of, yeah, I pray a lot. That's right. I pray a lot. I don't got to be apologizing because I'm straight holiness first. You ain't got to be apologizing because you live holy, because you want to pray and pray in tongues. You ain't got to be apologizing to nobody because you don't want to play the politics. You ain't got to apologize to nobody. God, God exalts the humble. Oh, play with me, man. It's envy, it's envy, it's envy, envy, envy is what's gripping people. You want to know why some people can't succeed? It's because they're anointed, but they're envious and and their revelation is contaminated with demonic fleshly revelation. Watch this. Let me give you a fleshly revelation. Watch this. You ain't going to like what I'm about to say. Let me give you an example of fleshly wisdom. Watch this. When you hear people say you can't share your dreams with people because they're going to take your ideas like Joseph. Wait a second. Let me share a secret with you. If Joseph didn't share his dreams, Joseph and his family would be dead. Let me tell you something, baby. You can't bite my revelation. It's not my revelation. It's Holy Ghost revelation. Let me tell you something. I don't got a patent on deliverance. I don't got a patent on the word secret because my book says the secrets to deliverance. I don't own the word secrets. I don't even own the word deliverance. I don't even own deliverance. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't own nothing. Whatever I preach is, is the Holy Ghost. We don't own, you don't own a patent on revelation. I I don't play these games about, I'm not going to do an event because this preacher is known for doing that. And I don't want it to make it seem like I'm biting him. Get the heck out of here with that, man. None of us own any revelation. Now we do. We do own event titles. That's different. Now, if you wrote a book, the secrets to deliverance, baby, you a biter, but, but you can write a book on deliverance. Do you see what I'm saying? Catch this revelation. Let me ask you a question. If, if the success of others around you mot- motivates you to a place of, of, of demonic wisdom, then it's God not opening the door for you. Whew. 38 minutes. I got I got five minutes to end this message right here. Give you a good 40-minute revelation. So, how do we overcome this? Turn with me to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Come on. Somebody say, preach. Preach, Puerto Rican. Thank you, Father. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Watch this. Look at this. But there is also 1 Peter my, chapter 2, verse 1. Look what it says. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, of, and all unkind speech. So number one is this. God is saying through the apostle Paul, get rid of your jealousy and envy. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Number two, Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four. Look at this. Come on. Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, verse 22. Look what it says. Look what it says. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Look at this. Look at this. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. The King James Version says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That word spirit means predisposition, or rather, a.k.a. attitude. God is saying, be renewed in your attitude about how I bless others. Watch this. The third way you overcome envy, and this is some practical uh, practical advice is this: Ask God to keep blessing the person that, that you're envious about. Oh man, uh-huh. Let me say this again. -huh, pray for God to bless. The person that you're envious about. Ask God to bless them even more. That's how you overcome. That's how you overcome. I remember one time, I remember one time, maybe about three years ago, four years ago, not even, six years ago, 2015, yeah, five, five years ago, um, I was being slandered. Um, by various persons on social media. They didn't say my name, but we knew who they were talking about. My church saw it, um, other people saw it, um, and it was based on some previous issues that I had. And you know what I did instead of clap back, I'm gonna be this is the first time I'm gonna share this with you. I actually went on a three-day fast for these individuals, and I prayed for them. I literally Turn my plate down and I fasted for them. And I, and I asked God to check my heart if I did something wrong, but I'm asking Lord for you to bless them and that I forgive them. Father, they have no idea that I fasted for them. They have no idea. I did. And I authentically did. I genuinely fasted for them. That's how I am. When I see people going at me, you know, I check myself, I say, Lord, maybe they have a right Maybe the way I talk, maybe the way I said it Maybe I'm a little bit cocky when I talk Maybe I'm too street Maybe I say I'm from the Bronx too much Or maybe I keep saying I don't care about what nobody thinks Maybe I shouldn't say that as a pastor or whatever the case may be I check myself when people act up I don't brush people off I do some self in, self-reflection in self and I go, Lord maybe, maybe I was too harsh when I said that You know what I'm saying? Maybe Maybe I am a jerk sometimes on Facebook. Maybe I am, you know, uh, conceited when I preach and teach. Or maybe I'm not that humble. Or maybe I think I'm all that because you blessed me with revelation. Or maybe being a best time bestseller, um, you, know, you know, whatever. I, I check my heart, man. And guess what? I'll be the first one to admit that 98% of the things I just mentioned, I do struggle with that stuff. You can't tell on me. I tell on myself. Yeah, I could be a little bit cocky. Yeah, I could be a little bit street. Yeah, I could be a little bit. Well, I'm not prideful that. But I could definitely be narcissistic and egocentric and callous and cold and and narcissistic. God is working on me, man. You know what I'm saying? It is it is what it is, man. You know, um I'm not even hiding it, man. Why would I hide? You guys see it, I see it. God deliver me, man. You see what I'm saying? All right? Um, I do have a New York cockiness to me. Uh, I don't try to be cool. I know I'm cool. Why? Because I'm from New York. See what I'm saying? Like, that's a New York mindset, man. <laughs> that's why I, I walk in a room and I don't chase nobody. They chase me. See? See, I already gotta repent for that, for that comment. Forgive me, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, search my heart. May the thoughts of my heart and the meditations of my mind be acceptable in thy sight. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Like, it is what it is, man. Like, um, so number two is this. Number three is this is is ask God to bless them. Ask God, Lord, bless this person. Lord, I'm feeling envious. Bless them. Number, fourth thing you need to do is this. For, fourth, thing you need to do is this. Is, enjoy the gifts that God has blessed you with. Let me tell you something, man. I am not, that's one thing I can honestly say. And if I'm wrong, name one preacher that I sound like. You want to know why I don't sound like other preachers? because, You want to know why? I genuinely enjoy my confrontational theology or shock theology of my personality that God has given me. I'm one of the very few people that could be this straight street hood and nobody really gets offended. I'd be barking on the body of Christ and apostles and prophets and bishops and nobody be saying nothing. That's a unique grace. That's a unique grace. Let me tell you something. I enjoy being from, being from New York, I love my New York personality. I'm not trying to change it. I love my Boricua street jail, whatever, online. At church, I'm a whole nother person. At church, I'm actually like how I opened up this video. You know what I'm saying? Um, no copycat here. Enjoy the gifts that God gave you. Enjoy the gifts that God gave you. Name one preacher that's authentic like us. There are others very rare though. Very rare. Do you see what I'm saying? Not everyone has that grace. I enjoy. So now I'm going to name drop only because they're my friends. I'm not trying to be like my good friend Ryan Lestrange. I'm not trying to be like my good friend Apostle Brian Meadows. I'm not trying to be like my good friend, Prophet Jeremiah Johnson. These are my friend friends. I'm not trying to be like some of the apostles that are trying to be. The only people that I look up to are my leaders in my covering Jabula. Because I am trying to be like my Bishop Roberts. I am trying to be like my Bishop Smith. And I am trying to be like my Bishop Tudor Bismarck. These are my Role models in, in the gospel. This this is my covering. If you're in a covering, you want to be like them. But outside of that, outside outside of that, um, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to occupy the shoes of my contemporaries. Why? Because I don't envy them. I don't envy my contemporaries. And guess what? They don't envy me. Nobody wants to be like me. Trust me. You don't want to carry this mantle of. Street reformer. You don't want it. You don't want it. So, number four is this. You take the talent God gave you. How long have I been on? 48 minutes. I'm done. The talent that God gave you. And you enjoy it. And you thrive with what God gave. With what God gave you. Let me ask you. Are you enjoying what God gave you? If not... Then you are envious and jealous. And God says you need deliverance and you have a demon and you are in sin and you are in the flesh and your revelation is demonic, earthly and sensual. James chapter three. Ain't no way around it. And you need to repent. And if you die in that that condition, you're going to miss many blessings when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm not here to cut corners with you. I ain't got no platforms to aspire to get. We're in a pandemic. I ain't trying to go to hell for nobody. I done shift. I'm going to tell you the truth until Jesus come. You in that condition, God will not open doors. Your anointing is sensual, is demonic. It's fleshly. And God is saying, oh, your induction of demons and your messages are sprinkled with, 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 with demons. And you need to Repent. And ask Christ to forgive you and ask the Holy Spirit to convict you again and to enjoy what God gave you in your head. And you got to put off envy and you got to put on Christ and renew the spirit of your mind, the spirit of your mind and take on a new attitude. So let me say this to all of my preacher friends. I celebrate you. I celebrate what God is doing in your ministry and I'm cheering for you.
0: You have gifts. God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today.